Hi, this is Craig from Spam By Me, and today we are talking football. Today I am talking football with Mr. Keith Mabbott. Keith is CEO and founder of Street Soccer Foundation, which aims to tackle youth homelessness and helping vulnerable people and disadvantaged children through the medium of football. Keith, how are you today? I'm really well, Craig. Thank you very much for asking. It's a great, genuine pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much. Uh, did you manage to watch much football over the weekend? Of course, I always do. And um, <laughs> I know you're a massive Liverpool fan, so I've got to give that a shout out. It was an incredible result. And um, no offence to the City fans that will be listening in, but what a game. And um, no, it was, just, it was pulsating. And I think, you know, I, I, for what it's worth, I, I'm a Chelsea fan. So again, it was good to see us pick up another three points. But I think generally, I just love watching the game across the board. You know, I've got an interest across the pyramid to a certain club. I look out for my old clubs as well. So I always look out for Charlton, Athletic and Gillingham. Um, but yeah, no, I caught as much as I could do. In between looking after my little five-year-old man with my wife, we was out and about this weekend. So it was a full-on weekend as always, my end. It's, a, it's always a full-time job watching enough football, isn't it? as well as fitting a full-time life in around it. <laughs> it's absolutely it's, it's, it's always that but I'll be, I'll be honest with you and, and I don't mean to sound sort of unfair, but I typically tend to sort of hand my weekends to my lovely wife because <laughs> um, during the week it's, it's so flat out um, obviously running the charity and um, come the weekend obviously she knows I'm, I'm big into my football but I, 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 it is on a serious I'm, I, I'm, it's really important to me to invest in my family at the weekend and spend as much time as I can with my, my little man so um, so yeah he kind of he's the boss of the weekend essentially I, sort of, I go by the, 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 my wife's itinerary and then whatever my boy wants to do <laughs> but thankfully it does occasionally mean that he's, he, he's, he's having to take in a game which is great yeah it's good for research isn't it that's how I sort of sell it my son's just started <laughs> playing football now so I, I sort of can try to sell it to him that way you know you need to watch these defenders and their positioning and stuff I mean, it's sort of more for me to watch, but if I can get him to watch it, it's uh, it's better for them and then the long run as well. Yeah, absolutely, good good tactic. <laughs> you've got you've got to find the way to sell it, don't you? Um, <laughs> Street Soccer Foundation. So when when was that started, Keith? Yeah, so, so um, I, I formed it uh, back in 2015, actually, kind of I guess unofficially. Um, it was a project um, as a concept of mine. I had uh, in in that summer, um, for which I took it to uh, the PFA um, and uh, just sat down with them and said, "Look, I've got an idea to use football as a means to um, you know engage and, and support um, vulnerable young people, um, those that are typically experiencing homelessness." And um, the PFA loved the idea, so so we we kind of linked in. The guy I sat down with, Craig, um, happened to be because I'm 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 in Kent and in, in the south and. Um, he, he looked after all the South clubs, if you like. And uh, so he said of all the clubs he looks after, he mentioned, um, funnily enough, he did mention Charlton. He said Charlton and West Ham, we could maybe look at introducing you to. Um, and I said, obviously, with my Charlton links, I said it would be great to pick up a conversation with West Ham. And, and that's actually where it all began. So in, in, in as I say, 2015 to around about October, we got a pilot in place of West Ham United, um, their, their club's foundation, um, to run, as I say, the pilot of the Street Soccer Academy program, which we called it. Um, and that's where it began. And then uh, we, we very quickly, almost overnight kind of thing, you know, created a kit like a community interest company. So we had a legal entity to go into partnership with West Ham's foundation. Um, and then a, a couple of years on from that, um, I, I sort of converted it to a registered charity. So, um, yeah, so sort of, sort of since 2015, 
um, it's, it's been an operation. And you had a background in football before then, didn't you? You had a, a horse in the race, so to speak. I, I did, yeah, I did. So, so um, I, mean, I mean, sadly for me, it, my career was cut short, um, regrettably. Uh, I, I was at Millwall as a schoolboy um, and, and uh, I had spells at Gillingham and Charlton and um, it was Charlton where... Um, I sustained an injury. It's, 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 it's quite embarrassing for me, Craig, but I don't mind sharing it with you. But whereas, whereas some, a, a lot of uh, younger guys might sort of, um, you know, those that don't go on to make it or, and they say that, you know, they, they sustained an injury. More often than not, it's, it's maybe like a, a crunching track tackle in a centre mid um, sort of clash or whatever. But mine was, um, I, I literally went down a pothole in pre-season training. I mean, <laughs> I mean you can't make it up. So it's, it's absolutely genuinely the case. But, um, I just didn't, I just I just didn't recover, and because uh, I was I was kind of um, if you like a so-called sort of flair player like on the wing, and um, but it, it, it affected my knee. So every time I sort of received the ball, I felt a little twinge. So I just I just I guess I just wasn't the same sort of player because every time I was in the seat of the ball, I'd just sort of be pinging it off and not really kind of doing all. I I I I got the the Mickey taken out of me as a young player for, for being a, a bit of a step over king. So I did about you know where you come up against a player and you might do one or two. I was doing like about eight and then uh, <laughs> and then just going past people like just bolting past them. But I just my game just completely changed almost overnight and then um, so it was a shame. So uh, unfortunately I missed out on my pro and um I sort of I, I got a few offers sort of um, semi pro and, and everything else. But I guess my uh, my kind of, I, I, I certainly my confidence got knocked um, because everyone around me thought I was going to make it. I, I genuinely believed I was going to make it as a professional. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, but yeah, as I say, I, I don't regret the time I had with those clubs. I mean, like I say, Millwall. My nickname was Hitch Craig at Millwall because I was like literally I was the smallest boy in my whole year at school, and uh, I was in and amongst lads that. I mean, they looked to me like I, I say this with a smile on my face, but they looked to me like lads that you know, would start shaving at that point. And <laughs> they were giants of guys and, and I was so tiny and baby-faced. And, um, but it was great because they, every time we had a game or whatever, like, whether we played like Chelsea or Mill or whatever, it was, they were so, so uh, Wimbledon or whatever, like, but they were so protective um, of me. And because uh, as I say, I was a bit of a skilled player. Um, if, if someone sort of um, had a bit of a tackle on me, uh, they'd be round me like anything straight away. So uh, it was almost like my little Millwall gag. So I, I had quite a foundation growing up, to be honest with you. And, uh, and then when I went into Chelsea, it was much more of like a sort of family-driven club. And um, again, just, just really enjoyed my time there. And I, I had the privilege, actually, to, when I was there, my state, my sort of time, um, I was sort of training like, with the likes of Scott Parker and, um, Kevin Lisby and people like that, and, and, and Scott and I used to sort of, you know, sort of pair up every so often and things. But you know, to see him where he went on, you know, he ended up at one point. I, I'm sure he did. I think he captained England at one point, didn't he? I know obviously he wasn't a, a main England player, but he obviously did represent England. I'm sure he did captain England at one stage. If I've got my, my, my mind, my mind done. Um, I'd, I'd have to verify yeah. that one. But it were a good yeah, player. Yeah, we'd have to we have to verify. Yeah, we'd have to verify. I've got that one, but <laughs> I'm sure he might have done, but. Um, yeah, so, so I, I yeah I was close but not quite made it and um, and then I sort of as a player just fell into if you like the real world of work and um, and uh, kicked it on from there. But yeah, I had a grounding in the game and obviously I know how powerful it is to you know unite people. That sort of give you a bit of a foundation as well, hasn't it? Because you've obviously suffered that adversity and then used it to your advantage rather than sort of shying away from it. You've embraced injury I mean no. I know you said you fell down a pothole but I'm sure there's professionals out there with uh, with worse ones I think were it Rio Ferdinand that dropped a bottle of perfume on his foot and, and shattered his metatarsal <laughs> like I, I mean it's up there but it's not the worst is it 
<laughs> that is brilliant. I'm going to nab that one because I didn't even know that. I'm taking that because I'd actually spend you no Rio, so I'm going to have that one. But, but, uh, but yeah, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And do you know what? Occasionally it will come out. I mean, certainly um, towards the beginning, not not so much now, but um, certainly towards the beginning when, when we were running the academy programme, you know, at Weber Club, um, certainly in the south, you know, of West Ham and we ran it with Gillingham as well and, um, you know, I'd I, I, I sort of dip in there and into sessions alongside the coaches and because I, I, I didn't personally run run the programme, I sort of dipped in and out and, and we had coaches at the club that ran the programme for us and I was kind of, I guess, advising the coaching team, if you like, like a trainer-trainer aspect yeah. but um, I dipped in every so often and then, and, and, and honestly, it did come out um, because again, I just felt it was right and proper for me to kind of, you know, let the guys know you know who I was, so it justified me being in front of them. So I'm a big believer in that. You don't just come in and have a, a presence and a stage, you know, without kind of a justification as to who you are and why it matters to those in front of you. And um, you know, I, I, I sort of shared a few bits and pieces, and and naturally, you know, some of the you know the group you know, would ask a question here or there about my background and this that, and the other, and and and, and occasionally it did come up. And and you're, you're you're so right. I mean, I guess you know when I did look did look back on that and. Um, it, it was. It was. It was a really tough time because, like I say, I, I can't underestimate the point that every single person around me, like I say, all my, all my school friends, you know, my family, everyone thought, you know, definitely going to make it. You know, just just you know, throughout scores, just one of the best players and things, and sort of captain the teams and played from a counting district and everything else. And um, and I just, I just had that sense of belief as well. And just you know, as what even that really young age, I was sort of doing my own training and I. Funny enough, I, I went and um, I met with, um, I don't know if any of your listeners might remember this guy, he's an amazing guy called Bryn Cooper. Um, and he used to actually be a Man U coach. He trained the likes of Beck, Skulls, Giggsy, all that lot, um, Nicky Butt. And um, I managed to meet him at the cliff, the training ground up in Manchester. And um, he gave me a, a kind of personal training programme. I about nowhere near Manchester United as a player, but... Um, but I just happened to meet him and I just told him, you know, I had real ambition to make it. And I, I mentioned to him that I was actually, I was at a club um, down south and uh, he gave me a training program. And I actually did that training, like literally got myself up early, early hours, you know, did the training and got on with my job, at, like, you know, my day to day, sorry. And, um, but yeah, as I say, when, when I sustained my injury, um, it absolutely devastating. You know, I remember yeah. vividly, obviously, that, you know, when I got called in, um, it was Gary Stevens actually at Charlton Athletic, and he called me in and um, just sat me down and just sort of mentioned, obviously, you know, I wasn't going to be offered my pro contract. And um, it's, it's like, a, like anyone who listens to this, you know, and if they've been in the same sort of situation as, as a young player, you know, they, I'm sure we'll all agree that it's, it's, it's a really hard blow. You know, it's, it's a tough one. And for me, at least, I actually didn't have an agent either at the time. So um, it's just, you know, my dad used to take me to training and, um, and, and you know, love my dad to bits, but you know, he he just was not that way inclined. He wasn't he was no yeah. way you know of that world of, of being an agent or could advise in any way. So he was really just there, just in inverted commas, but there as a dad, you know, not not like an mean. agent. And what can we do now? He's just there to put his arm around his boy, as it were. So so um, I came away from that. And but like I say, I, I, I genuinely didn't really know what what the next steps were going to be. And so um, and it was weird. I don't mind hearing with, with you and, and for your listeners. But I, I mean, I remember again, I got a letter. Um, uh, what it's worth from Bristol Rovers at the time, and uh, Bristol Rovers they invited me down for the trial. Um, and Craig, this is this is this is how sometimes your confidence and your mindset and where you're at in your mind, you know, can be. You know, I look back on that, and I certainly don't regret it because I, I really try not to have regrets. But 
you know, I look back at that and I, I, I actually turned that trial down at Bristol Rovers purely and simply because it was in Bristol. How ridiculous is that? Because I thought, I don't, I don't want to live in Bristol. I don't know anyone down in Bristol. No disrespect to anyone living in Bristol. I thought, I'm not going to understand the accent because I've got a South, <laughs> South, Southwestern swag. Uh, and, I, and I must stress, I've got friends down in the Southwest now, so it's no offence at all intended. But I was obviously a very young and experienced lad. Um, but clearly, my mind was just all over the place. And I just turned it down. I, you know, like Maybe I could have gone down there and maybe got secured a contract and become a professional footballer. But I guess it's sometimes you, you get clouded by how much you actually want to be a professional footballer as a job or how much did I want to be a professional footballer at Charlton Athletic? And they're two different things. And and I guess maybe where I was at, I was so of the belief that I'm good enough to be at Charlton and I'm good enough and I'm as good as Scott Parker and Kevin Nisby, who are the main guys around my role, uh, my position, sorry. And, um, and when that was pulled away from me, um, I guess that was it. I sort of closed myself off to other opportunities. And I mentioned sort of semi-pro as well. I was offered a few sort of semi-pro contracts I just, I just went up for it, Craig. I'm, I'm, I went down to one thing, Eastern, um, like a London club. And uh, I remember just, I remember turning up on a Thursday night, literally pitch black, raining, turned up and I just sat in my car. And I, and I could see the floodlights. And I just thought, I genuinely thought to myself, I just sat there in my car thinking, what, what am I doing? Why am I here at this club? As I said, I don't want to mention the club, but there's no way to disrespect the club at all. Yeah. But I just thought, you know, why am I even here? I mean, literally four months ago, I was at Charlton Athletic, who literally just been promoted to the Premier League. You know, I just couldn't, couldn't quite understand how this was the case. So it's, it's a really tough one for, for a lot of people. And in the nature of obviously what I do now with street soccer, we will occasionally come across young people that have actually been released, you know, and, and they've really spiralled. And I guess my concluding comment in this regard is, I was just very fortunate when I look back that I had a real, um, I guess, strong support network around me. You know, my, my family and my friends yeah. were really good for me. And even though I hadn't got my contract and I missed out, they they, sat, they didn't, you know what I mean? They didn't kind of just disappear. Like, oh, he's not pro now. We're not interested. You know, but I was very fortunate to have some real good friends and um, I had a bit of a fallback on that and uh, they could help sort of build me back up again sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think I had real strong resilience from a young age anyway, because I grew up in a single parent household um, since I was about sort of eight years old, I think it was seven, eight years old. So I was quite strong mentally anyway. And I guess, again, when we talk about people's individual circumstances and foundations, I guess that was really important and helpful for me as well. I know it might be sort of a bit of pill to swallow, but I think with with the sort of way that it's fallen, I think it might have been a blessing in disguise for you. Because from what I can see... Yeah. You becoming a professional footballer would have massively benefited you, but the way that it's sort of transpired now, you're helping far more people than you would have been able to help as a professional footballer. So that the way that it's sort of the chips have sort of fallen, you, you, your own background and your own circumstances have sort of you know you didn't really have necessarily the the, the network now, but you can put that place uh, into into sort of place for people similar to you that might have fallen through cracks. The, um, the the people that are homeless or that are vulnerable and disadvantaged, you've got the safeguards there in place to help them out because you didn't have that network. So whilst being a professional footballer would have been, you know, your dream and your ambition, you're helping other people sort of get towards realising their ambitions and stuff, if, if that sort of makes sense to you. It, it, it totally does. I and mean, I'm, I'm just nodding my head here like you're <laughs> speaking because, uh, I mean, honestly, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the thing is, it's weird for me, right? So, so I'm I'm 42, and you know, my my career would have been done now anyway. Well yeah. gone, you know, like a good five, ten years ago, sort of thing. So, um, 
you know, so, so it's, 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 it's a strange one because obviously typically the football footballing career is, 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 is a short one as, as we all know anyway. So most often likely, you know, if you're fortunate, you might break in when you're at, when sort of typically 18 and then you might get a 10, 15 year stretch and that's kind of it. And obviously that's, I mean, every, and this, I remember again, vividly, I remember um, way back before I even, you know, embarked on, you know, when I was at Mill and, and, and Jill's and that, but, um, uh, one of my PE coaches at, at school, um, he, he, I remember vividly, he, he said to me, just, you know, just always be mindful, keep having a, a sort of, you know, a contingency, like, you know, a, a backup plan because it's, and his words weren't, it's always stayed with me. He said, it takes one kick for your career to be over. Yeah. Exactly. He said, one kick and your career's done. And, I, and it, and it obviously, it, it went in, but it, it's fair because, you know, every time, you know, all, all the guys that step onto that pitch at a weekend, during the week, every single game they, they represent their club, there is a, an element of risk. You know, we all know that. You know, it, it, it's not a high-risk sport. Of course it's not. But it just takes one, you know, way of falling or a little tackle here or there or whatever, and, and you could be out for a while. So, so and, and, and may not even ever recover. So it's certainly a, a risky career. It's certainly a short career. And, and, and it's a really fair and, and a very kind, generous comment that I think, you know, in the, in the nature of now, and I'm still a part of it, I'm not even now looking back as a former player sort of thing. I'm still actively involved in, in this kind of um, world, if you like, of utilising football and being in and around football as a sport that's helping others that, you know, day in, day out, I've got this opportunity without kind of risking myself, by the way, as well. I'm not even actually playing. Um, but, you know, it, it is, you're using the sport as a means, as a catalyst to help, you know, empower other people. And, and it's just so rewarding. I mean, of course, in the nature of what it is and, 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 and you know, those that we're supporting, it can be quite challenging sometimes. And um, actually, again, I guess, I guess I've, I've kind of coached and trained myself and developed myself as an individual over the years. But again, towards the beginning, um, just being honest with you, I mean, it's quite upsetting as well. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a human, right? And, and yeah. you know, when I hear certain things and certain disclosures from from some of these young people, um, where they had the strength and conviction to share it with me um, on a one to one, it's really difficult. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd be taking that home with me, um, like like most people, I'm sure. And uh, and it, and a couple of the stories, you know, would stay with me. And, and it was, you know, God, some people are really having a tough time with things. And but then actually, you know when I share that with with a close network, you know, the advice typically that comes back is we'll, we'll focus on, you know, what you're doing about it. Like, you know, don't dwell on that as a kind of experience, kind yeah. of past situation, because that doesn't have to dictate your future, you know, and, and for that person, I, I mean, so, and that's, that's really great, solid advice. And that's exactly what we're about. So as a, as a charity, the Street Soccer Foundation, we don't, I don't think you would often see, and hopefully your listeners would agree that you won't often see us kind of as a charity, be kind of cap in hand and there's no respect to other charities by the way I, I hasten to add but we, we have made a real active sort of decision internally to not really be publicly facing as in cap in hand kind of please donate to us as a little charity trying to help you know those that are in need we really want to be almost storytelling around what we're achieving with those that we engage with and and actually be a vehicle that hope and achievement and that development piece so people can kind of see because i mean if i was to say you know homelessness and what do you think it means um if, if you're homeless and and you know how does that make you feel i mean typically obviously you, you're not going to think that's a great thing you're not going to yeah. think that's a great situation to be in so i personally don't really feel that we have to sort of force that down people you know and particularly now when when, when a lot of the country are having a tough time generally speaking and 
Um, you know, but everyone talks about right now about the living crisis, and quite rightly so, because to a point we are in a bit of a mess. And, um, and I don't want to get on the political stance, <laughs> but um, but you know, but but fundamentally, a lot of people are having a bit of a tough time. And so we, again, it's not for me at least to sort of say, yeah, we're all having a tough time, you know, but. I run a charity and we can really do a few extra quid because we really make it count and this is what we're going to use it for. I, I, it's much more about, look, actually, if you know someone or it might even be you and, you know, you're struggling with your mental health or your physical health or you, you, you're out, you've been out of work for quite a long time or you're an ex-young offender or you are currently homeless, you know, have a look at this and give the programme a chance. Just give it a chance and see what you think of it and let us try and help you together with people that really care about you. Let's, let's take you on a development journey and, Let's create a better prospect, a better future, and best prospects for you. And come on this journey with us, kind of thing. And and, and that's what we try and story tell. You know, we, we share experiences of those that come through the program with others. So it's kind of often the young people empowering other young people to give the program a chance because it's, it's them buying into what they're hearing other people yeah. are saying about what's done for them. And that and that's really really powerful, I think. And um, like I say, no, there's no shit to ever say other charities that you know they do they do kind of if you like, for want of a better phrase, um, do the sad storytelling. Um, because again, it's factual often. Um, and, and, it, and it obviously does, you know, sometimes, you know, fundamentally charities need money to operate. And, and like, you know, that's, that's, we're the same. But what I'm trying to do is, is run street soccer as a bit more of a business, if that makes sense. So not in the purest sense of the word of a charity. Um, I don't want us to really rely necessarily on the public purse. You know, I want us yeah. to be sort of self-sustainable and, you know, give a return on investment and not to get all businessy like, but because of my background, when I came out of football, I fell into recruitment and I ended up running my own companies for a good sort of decade or so. Um, and I just know, you know, the power of what we've created, the power of the sport in football, the global number one sport, and the fact we work with young people and tackling major social issues, all of that combined offers a real genuine kind of what I call a, a corporate social responsibility. Um, investment opportunity, you know, and, and therefore we will go to companies on, in the private sector and say, look, in, invest in us as a, as a leadership, invest in, say, so and obviously you're a Liverpool fan, Craig, so it might be like in, in Liverpool as an area, we'll go and talk to a, a company based in Liverpool, invest in our Liverpool Street Soccer Academy and for these reasons, and here's the benefits. And by the way, for every pound you invest in us, we'll give you £15 back for your community. And I just think that's a really powerful statement, rather than, you know, can we have a few quid feet to yeah. do a little charity trying to help the homeless? Completely. And, that, and that's a bit flippant, and I don't mean it to be, but I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from. Oh, I, I completely agree where you're coming from. If, if it's sort of run the right way, then it, it's sort of better than, like you say, going with a begging bowl and saying, we need X amount of money. You're saying, look... Help us to help you, sort of thing, which which is a lot more yeah. organic as as a charity and a business. It, it's sort of advantageous for both of you to work together, isn't it? It totally is, and and, and it becomes more sustainable because it becomes almost like a, more of a true partnership rather than you know. Cause if it, if it was you, it might be like like Craig. You know, I know you're you're a lovely guy. You know, you're obviously a big football fan, Liverpool fan. You know, you care about Liverpool and the club, and obviously you know the foundation and. You know, you want to you, you want to show your support to those that are sadly homeless at the moment in the area. We've got a vehicle to give an opportunity. You know, so it's, it, the, the two options there are: can we have a few quickies and, and we'll do right by you and help these people out? Yeah, of course, keep here go some money. But then, how sustainable is that? Because ultimately, we'll run that program. We'll we'll, we'll make sure we'll obviously, of course, we'll invest that money. So that will. I mean, and just to be clear on that. So, give an example. Um, you know, with an academy, so we'll we'll pay for um, the pitch hire. Um, for the weekly sessions on the pitch, in the room hire, for the classroom sessions, we'll, we'll provide every young person with a brand new football kit. 
Um, we provide free lunch and refreshments every session. So all this costs money, right? So that's where the money will go. And, yeah. and it's, and it's yeah, fully transparent. But then come the end of that program, and we've delivered on that, and hopefully we, we've helped these young people. Uh, our remit is ultimately to try and certainly improve their soft skills, but move them into work education or further training. So we achieve on that. I mean, and then I come back to you and say, Craig, thanks so much for that money. This is what we've done. But then the sustainability aspect is then I've got to have another repeat conversation with you. And oh, Craig, so would you mind giving us another bit of money and we can do it again? And it's and you and you're going to only be able to do that so many times. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what your pockets like, Craig, but I mean, generally speaking, you might maybe do it twice, three times, absolute most, really. Yeah. You, might just, you know what? I've helped you a few times, Keith. I, I might want to help another charity out, or I need to sort of look at it, look at doing this with my money now at the moment for, for all parity sort of thing. And it kind of fizzles out, and that's ultimately what would happen. But if it's repositioned as you know, this is a true partnership, and we want you to invest with us to give you a return. So as a business, it might be that. Part of that is that you need to, if you're going after a, maybe a, a, one basic example, if you're going after a contract in the local community, and part of that they want to see you, what do you do for your, for your community? How do you benefit and support your community? Oh, well, we invest in this program called the Street Soccer Academy, um, and this is what it does. We invest in this amount of money, um, and this is these are the outcomes for the benefit of the community. Oh, here's a contract. Well done. That's brilliant. So actually, that company have just made X amount of money, but it's only sort of you know they've only invested in inverted commas a small percentage of that with us. So we've actually made them a kind of net return to actually partner with us. So when we come back and knock on their door again, the chances are they're going to be a lot more willing to entertain the idea because they benefited as a company and also their staff. I mean, nowadays, a lot of younger people, when they're first considering employment, you know, they want to know what their companies are doing for their, for their community. You know, a lot of this kind of, there's a kind of phrase going around this purpose over profit piece and you know, they want to know what their business is doing, you know, because a lot of these younger people coming out now, this is what they're telling us and telling others around who I'm talking with, that they want to have this kind of responsibility, this responsible employer, you know, for the benefit of their community, how they're helping their staff and their families. You know, I think that's a lot of companies where they're looking at now, they're, they're trying to do right by their staff so they obviously can maintain their attention because um, obviously, as we all know, it costs money to recruit. So, um no, it's a, it's a really interesting, I, mean, as I, I don't, don't want to go down the path and say this and bore your listeners, but it's just, it's really important to us to be sustainable because it matters to us in what we're doing and we know the need is there. And I will say as a concluding comment that sadly, you know, and it is the fact that we, we, we are really up against it. It's, it's almost like a, we're fighting a losing battle because I think post pandemic, dare I say, you know, the, the numbers are just dramatically increasing and um, there are more younger people, well, well, people in general, but without targeted approach, you know, more young people that uh, I guess are classed as vulnerable than, than there ever has been for a number of years. So, um, so it was, so we, we, we've, we've got a real kind of demand on our service now. And um, that's why it's a real responsibility to me and our senior team um, for how we can deliver on that demand, if that makes sense, you know, that yeah. rather than just sort of say, well, we can only do so much because we're a little charity actually, well, let's take a stance on that and what can we do about it? There's some big brands out there and a lot of their brands, you know, are willing to show their, their care and investment towards helping others. So let's us be that vehicle. Let us be their case study. And that's, that's our approach. I think what I like about the sort of the foundation is, um, well, it's, it's sort of weird to have, try to word it correctly here. So somebody that's homeless, if you take that person mm. out of that situation they're contributing because you sort of getting them away from the bad decisions. So if in their local community they're homelessness and they're smashing windows up and they're trying to feed a drug habit, not only are you helping that person, you're helping the community because 
they're not going to be as much of a quote-unquote menace to that community, smashing it up, because they've got that structure, they've got that help, they've got that network behind them. So you're not just helping the person, you're helping the community as well, because everybody benefits by sort of helping that person out of the situation that they're in. It's not just a, a, a direct impact on that person, it's a direct impact on everybody else that's involved in that person's life. You're not just helping one person, you're helping that, that community. And it's sort of it's easier to sort of all band together as a community when you can see that it's positively impacting that community, whereas you don't really want to be in there short short term and quick, you know. I know it's it's hard to say it and it's a weird one, but it's it's sort of like they call it poverty porn, don't they? Then it's like, oh well, you know, yeah. and you straight in and straight out. You know, a bit like changing rooms. They will paint a couple of things, and then yeah. that's that's us done. But whereas you, you, yeah. you you're making a long term commitment. Look, help us, and we'll help you. And it's easy to see that in the community, like how the crime rates will probably drop, and you know, homelessness will probably drop. And it, it, it's sort of it's more organic and it's more sustainable. Is sort of where I'm heading with this. No, 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 I entirely agree with you. And, and, and so a couple of points, if I may. So the first point is that um, literally since inception, so when I, when I came up with the idea for Street Soccer um, as a foundation, uh, as a project, I should say, um, I, I, right off the bat, I wanted it to be a partnership-led organisation. Um, or, or I should, as I say, when I came up with the idea, it was literally, um, and I think I shared this with you off air, didn't I, that I, I heard a radio interview when I was at home one day um, and, it, and it was a um, at the time the CEO of, of a large house, uh, homeless charity, um, and uh, they, they, then they went on to youth homelessness, and, uh, and I really locked into that interview at that point because my background, as I say, when I came out of football, I fell into recruitment, and, I, and then I set up my own recruitment companies, and, and I was helping a lot of young people get their first kind of role. So, so sort of the youth market, if you like, was really sort of dear to me, and I'd helped quite a lot of young people get into work or set up their own companies over kind of a ten year period. And so when they went on to youth homelessness, it, it, it really drew, drew me in. And um, the point what, what I want to make is that simply, like I say, first point is this partnership aspect. I, I absolutely from the off wanted it to be very much collaboration, all about collaboration. So collaboratively working together with a coaching team, with a staff, with a club that was, was dear to them in terms of their community. Um, so like I mentioned, we, I think um, we, we sort of started off with West Ham United's foundation and I, and I sat down with, with, with the CEO of West Ham's Foundation. I mean, it was a real kind of like-minded sort of chat. And I said, well, look, this isn't about money or anything like that. You know, I don't want a penny off West Ham. You know, I'm happy to invest personally to cover all costs, to run a pilot project. And at that time, it was 12 weeks. It's now a 10-week course um, that we run throughout the year. Um, but it was 12 weeks at that time. And I said, look, it's going to be 12 weeks. I'm happy to pick up the bill for X, Y, Z costs. All I'm asking of you is if you apply um, your badge to it, as in be a club-led project, and we utilise your coaching staff, which I will pay for their time, um, using your facilities, which, again, I will pay for. Um, But ultimately, what we're doing is, because it's a club-led project, we then hopefully will engage the local community. And I said, so it's a real partnership play for me. Because what what I could have done, Craig, is just simply said, right, okay, I've come up with this idea for this this programme, the street soccer thing, and what I'll do is then put, uh, put an ad out, go and recruit some coaches, and then just run run it myself. You know, have a lot like, yeah. of street soccer academy in Kent, for example. Run it, you know, just hire out a local authority pitch or whatever, um, uh, or a grassroots club. Just knock them a few quid and hire their facilities during the daytime when it's just sat there, and just do it ourselves. But I thought, do you know what? I don't want to do that because I, I really, as a club-led initiative, 
there's going to be a lot of people in East London that will clear, well, obviously, you know, recognise West Ham as a badging. And so they see, they see that. And if they're in a homelessness situation and they come across and they're into football, for example, or they're a big West Ham fan and they see that, this West Ham United Street Soccer Academy, they're going to be, they're going to be at least intrigued. Well, how's this street soccer thing or this West Ham street soccer thing? And the chances are, because it's West Ham and it's football, they may well give it a chance and get along because at, the, at this time, they're going to be typically very disengaged, you know, detached from society, you know, not really kind of too keen to, you know, give things a go. But because it's playing to their interest and their passion, i.e. football and their club, there's a chance they will come along. So that was the foundation of why I wanted to be partnership-led. And on the flip side of what you just mentioned, which is really kind of you to say so, it's exactly that. Because when you do it as a partnership-led activity, and it's genuinely for the benefit of the community, you're absolutely right. It's not just the young people themselves that are benefiting, but you know, through their achievement in actually going through the programme, they're going to have this kind of increased confidence. They're going to have interaction with positive role models. But there's also going to be a decline in ASB. There's going to be a decline in substance abuse and criminal activity because, you know, instead they're going to be, you know, supported into securing employment, work placements, further training, they're gaining work-related skills. So it's, 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 there's a real knock-on effect. And that's, that's kind of measures in how we, we kind of value, uh, sorry, uh, measure our social value. Um, what we call our, our social value um, measurement uh, piece is a kind of model where we look at the outcomes and what we've achieved. And that's where you get this kind of return on investment. And at the moment, I'm really proud to say that the foundation, Street Soccer Foundation, um, for every £1 invested, we're currently returning £15 of social value back to those investors. So, as I say, you, 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 it's brilliant you've you kindly aired that because I may well have forgotten to say that <laughs> on this interview, but. Uh, but it's, it really does matter, and that's why it's so important, and that's why I think that that's what really appeals to a lot of companies in the private sector. Because in terms, for some companies, again, not naming any companies necessarily, but for some, it might just be as black and white as, well, what's in it for me? Why should I give you some money? Okay, well, in black and white terms, then how would you like a fifteen return on investment? A fifteen times return yeah. on investment? Oh, okay, you got my attention. How's this work? You know, others it might be, well, I really want to support homeless people in my area, or I really want to attach myself to my club, you know, i.e. Liverpool. I'm a lifelong Liverpool fan. I want to help Liverpool's foundation in what they're doing. And this is a project. This is one project of a number that they do. Can I get behind it and be a sponsor for it? Yes, of course you can. And, you know, so we we kind of cater our discussions um, to who's in front of us, I guess. But if if it's a library of options, that's, that's where it hopefully kind of triggers an engagement rather than it's just one way of getting involved us or not. Um, take it or leave it kind of thing. I just I don't think that really works in this day and age now. I think you've got to be a bit more varied in your approach and and, and appeal to the masses as best you can. I think what you've done well um, personally is you've used your own funds. It would have been you know quite easy to to get X grant or Y grant, and and a lot of people, if you want something to sort of take up, a lot of people are said would just have turned around and you know well if you're sort of passionate about it and you're you're that involved and you've got that much of. Um, grandiose ideas sort of thing why don't you use your own money whereas you've gone well i am using my own money you know that you've sort of yeah put put the um sort of mockers on that one straight away it's like well if you're passionate about something you use your own money to do it and that's literally exactly what you've done you've, you've sort of been driven driven by your passion and it could have sort of gone seven different ways couldn't it but luckily you've, you've yeah. sort of had the background had the experience that you've had and it's gone going the way that it's going uh, do you know how many academies you currently have? 
at the at the moment now, right this second, we've got I think eight live up and running across the country. One with with your your, your you know beloved um, Liverpool. Um, <laughs> Uh, and we, we're, we're, I think we're looking at in the new term, in the new year after Christmas, we're probably looking at about 14 um, that will be ready to go live. So um, and we're at, very pleasingly, we're adding new partnerships um, quite often now. So, and I think, and I, if, if, if I may, if you don't mind me, 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 me taking this opportunity. Um, Absolutely not. Uh, I've had a recent conversation as an, as an example with the EFL, like directly, like the English Football League. And because most of our partners are, are across the Premier League on the community side and um but the EFL came to me recently and, and sort of said, you know, they asked the question essentially, you know, are you working with clubs in the EFL? And I said, yeah, we've got a few clubs um, where I've got contacts and, and whatever. And um, they, 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 they've obviously become aware of our programme and, and got to know us a little bit and um, just simply said that, you know, we really value what you're doing and the work that you're doing in, in, in communities nationwide. And obviously you're using football as that kind of glue um, and it's really working well. And the impact we've talked to a few clubs, and and um, we we, we want to sort of support you in some way. So through that conversation, ultimately, it's been really interesting because they then have now said, um, with their support, they'd like to kind of in, introduce us to essentially the football league. So all seventy-two clubs on the community side, um, which is a great opportunity for us. I think, and I don't mind sharing that, but I say, but. We, we've got to make sure we meet that demand. Like I mentioned, Craig, in terms of delivering on that. So we know the demand is there, but we must deliver on it. So I think we're on the cusp now that when we go into the new year, the vast majority of our partnerships, I'd say we've got over half the Premier League on board now with, with delivering the, the academy programme. But where I think we're, we're hopefully going to move um, into next year, um, where we'll open up a lot more EFL club partnerships. And as we kind of, I guess, sort of, I guess you know move across the pyramid yeah. um, it means that I can hopefully see the street soccer impact be achieved in in most clubs across the English Football League including the Premier League as well so I think that the chances are I guess on a growth curve but it's 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 one in which um it's, it's one in which I really really hope and, I, and that's why I'm airing on, on on your show here I really hope sincerely that people that listen to this um and whoever whichever club they support they take an active interest with, with no obligation, obviously. I'm not, I'm not forcing people to do this, by the way, but it would just be really lovely if, if, if football fans, generally speaking, could take an active interest and find out you know, what their club on the community side are actually doing. Um, because Street Soccer is just one project. You know, the, the Street Soccer Academy is one project. But uh, some of these clubs across the pyramid, they do such incredible work on the community side. And it, for me, at least, I just and it's not even. I'm not precious about even street soccer. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> it genuinely, for me, it's about how can we together as a community, you know, through the medium of football, the global number one sport, how can we unite as a real collective, as a team, you know, for whatever bands we follow, how can we unite as a community to help others that, are, uh, you know, maybe a bit more disadvantaged than us? And I think if we've got an opportunity with that through football. It's just got to be the best solution. And, and my final comment on that, if I may, is that we, um, in that regard, which is why I've kind of primed it like that, is that we are, in the new year, um, going to be really sort of hopefully going at it with um, our new um, formation of what we're calling Street Soccer Leagues. So we've, we've created Street Soccer Community Leagues, which are, uh, it's just a classic model, Craig, of a five-a-side football league, but where you've got um, typically across the country, like, you know, you, you pay to play, you know, whatever, whatever you're paying, like as a team, like you whatever it is, like 30, 40, 50 quid a week, whatever, between your team, depending on wherever, wherever you are in the country, um, on a weekly basis. 
we flip that a little bit and we're having like a, um, a pay it forward model. So 100% of match fees on a weekly basis, we are going to see invested into that community. So let, let's take Liverpool again. Um, no, no intended bias, but I know you're a big <laughs> Liverpool fan. Um, but say it's Liverpool. So I'll speak to the guys at Liverpool Foundation, obviously who we work with on the street soccer delivery. And we'll say, right, let's get a Liverpool street soccer league in place. So we'll, we'll, with their support, we'll, we'll find a pitch. We'll get that booked in. Um, so maybe like on a Tuesday night, sort of, I don't know, seven till nine for a couple of hours a week. We've then got a street soccer league. And then, you know, the eight, ten teams, whatever, that enter that league, say if it was you and a few mates of yours, Craig, you'd, you'd be one team. I'm, I, you know, if I lived up there and I'd get another team, we've got, say, eight teams in that league. Every one of us, all of, our t- all of the teams in that league, in the street soccer league, we know 100% of our weekly match fees are helping support others less fortunate in Liverpool. And I just think that's a really powerful, it's, it's a really basic idea, frankly. It's not reinventing the wheel at all, but actually it's just not been done before. You know, and, and all these leagues out there, and all power to these other leagues, by the way, I think they're fantastic. And I know there's some big names out there and they give weekly opportunities for people to improve their health and well-being, break down isolation, increase inclusivity. So I, I love them for doing what they're doing. But, but for us, you know, being born out of a charity, provision if you like with our academy program i think just this is a natural kind of next step for us in terms of well actually if we can unite our our community you know where we're working fan base you know and suddenly you know liverpool let their fan base know right guys look there's now a liverpool street soccer league and if you turn up and play every time you put a foot on the pitch 50 percent is going into liverpool's foundation and 50 percent supports the liverpool street soccer academy there's a 50 50 equal split so I just, I think as a model, it's, it's and I, that's why I'm sharing it out loud. I, again, yeah. if anyone here doesn't want to copy it, all power to you, by the way. I'm, again, I'm not even pressing on that. Cause if someone does copycat that model, then it's only going to help other people. So I love it. <laughs> so please don't copy it. But uh, but like, genuinely for me, that that's what we really want to do. And like I say, so if we get this traction with the EFL clubs as well, hopefully we can see, you know, a number of new street soccer leagues be pop up during next year and onwards. Um, and we know then that they're going to be vehicles for the general public, you know, so that's how a lovely, a love, what a lovely way for you to say your mates, Craig, you could help other people literally just by turning up and playing football once a week on a five-a-side pitch. I just think that's a really love because sometimes you, you might ask someone, you know, you know, if they've got the intent to help someone who's say homeless, for example, you might you might walk along the street in Liverpool and you see someone sitting on the street. And it might be where you think, I do want to help that person, but I don't know whether to just give them money or shut down buy them a sandwich or, you know, but your, your heart is in the right place. You want to help, you just don't know how to. But if you don't even have to put yourself in that position and you've got a vehicle as an opportunity to form a team and play five-a-side football once a week, you know you're going to be helping your community anyway, regardless. Yeah. And I just think that's, that's a really lovely way of uniting the football community through the power of the game and, 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 and as I say, age is but a number. You know, male, female, young or old, doesn't matter. You know, anyone can play in the street soccer community leagues. You know, just form a team week in, week out. Your match fees are helping others. And that's that's what I'd love us to see, you know, a realisation going into next year with obviously, you know, Liverpool and other clubs across the Premier League that are already partners with us. But then as new partnership opportunities where we build it out, um, maybe it might be like a league first, academy second, if that makes sense. You know, we engage with them to form a league and then we bolt on an academy um, programme um, as an educational piece for the community as part of that forming. So um, I hope that makes sense. Anyway, yeah. so I've gone off on the right. No, no. There, haven't I? But, but I just, I just hope that it's, it's, it's good value for you to know that and your, and your listeners, because like I say, that's something that I think we're going to really passionately drive going into next year and, and throughout the year next year. 
Um, I just think it's a really lovely way to give people an opportunity as a football-led charity and actually being nationwide. You know, we're not just, you know, we're not just, in inverted commas, Liverpool or Tottenham or Leicester City. You know, we're all over. So, you know, you might have, I know you're from Leeds, for example, so you might have a little lookout for Leeds. And I mentioned that I've played for three clubs and I always have a lookout for Charlton and um, Gillingham when I when I see the score lines. And even though I'm a Chelsea fan, it's that kind of thing as well, that, you know, you know that with streak soccer, we're a nationwide footballer charity. So even if you support Liverpool, but you might live in Leeds, for example, you know, so take that view. Well, I, I want to help my community in Leeds. I'm a Liverpool fan, but I'm going to walk up to the Leeds Street Soccer League because um, I know it's going to help my community. And I think that's the key thing we want to get to. You know, we break down barriers like that and it's not just kind of club-led activity. We're actually going to, you know, with football, unite the footballing community to help other people. And I think that, that's really needed at this time right now. I sort of half remember reading something years ago and it says you're only ever six bad decisions away from becoming homelessness and it sort of drives the message home, doesn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, if we can get yeah, things absolutely. in place and networks of support and networks of help, if anybody does become homeless, I know we've we've got a bit of a financial cloud hanging over a lot of people's heads at the minute. It's sort of, there is going to be something there for somebody and I know nobody wants to look forward to becoming homelessness, but at least you're a little bit more optimistic knowing that there's the help there available through the medium of football. Um, I think as sort of a model, what I like about it is the scaling up or the scaling down. Like it can be applied to anybody. It could be applied to somebody in Leeds or Barnsley or somewhere in Spain. It's sort of, it's so relatable that people want to become part of the community. People want to help out. People want to look out for each other. And then you've got the vehicle of football to sort of drive that. So it's sort of relatable on, on many different levels, in my opinion, anyway. That's that's what I sort of like about it. And um, what well, that's, that's what I'm hoping for, Craig. All I was going to say, Brit, on that, is just, 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 that's what I'm really hoping for because I think it achieves on both sides. All I was going to add very briefly is, you know, say if it was you, right? So it would help you, whether this is the case for you or not, but just as, as a case in point that, generally speaking, a lot of people are... Um, having a bit of hardship, um, as I generally speaking. Um, but even if you're not, right, even if you're not and you're in a really good place, but, but life is still challenging and you will still have your ups and downs. And I think if you're into football and you don't have, you don't even have to be really fit because you can get fitter. You don't have to be a baller, as they say. You know, if you just want to turn up and just meet new people, make new friends, it's an opportunity on a weekly basis to see your mates or whatever, have a bit of a catch-up, how, how's life in general, and this is your chance. Um, but this is the point that, for you as an individual, it's it's a weekly opportunity throughout the year for your own health and general well, health and well-being, your mental health, your physical health, your inclusion, your, you know, your, your, your friendships and, and meeting new people. So all of that well-being aspect is for you. But then you've also then got, like, like we've just touched upon, an added opportunity as a kind of, if you like, a feel-good factor that you know every time you show up. And, and they say, don't they, 90% of the success is just showing up. Yeah. yeah so, and, and it's the classic thing that I know this does go on across the five-a-side platform that, you know, come, like, you know, it might be like a Monday night, your game, and Monday, Monday, typical, and like you, you're working away and it's really tough and you've had a bit of a day. And then actually you think, you know, oh, and you text, and I might text you, Craig, you know, I'm having a shocker at work today. I'm really sorry, I'm not going to make it tonight. And you call off and you as the captain, it's painful. And I, I know there's five other captains out there. I'm sure this will appeal to and apply to that. It's, they've got like a, a, a bank of 20 players for a five-a-side football league because they're constantly being let down. But I, I just hope and think that if actually, even if you were having a bit of a tough day at work, 
it's even more of an impetus for you to make sure you're there that night because you know by turning up and playing and you're paying your match subs, you, you just literally every week, that week, every week, sponsor the young life in your community. And I just hope that that's a good enough pull and incentive to actually turn up, not just because it's for your good self and your own benefit and well-being, and also for your mates and your teammates, but it's for other people that you might not even meet, but you you know, but you know it is going back into your community. And and the final comment is actually you can meet them because funny enough, with us as well, that's another kind of transparent aspect of what we're offering here. That if you do do that, and at any given point during the league, uh, during the, the, the league season, you turn around and say, do you know, what? I'd actually like to meet these people that my match fees are helping. By all means, come to a come to a Liverpool Street Soccer Academy session. You know, it's once a week. Come to a session, open arms, no problem at all. And you can meet the young people that you're effectively sponsoring. So I think that's really powerful because once it becomes tangible and it's real, that's really what matters as well. Because I know a fair few people sometimes wonder where their money goes if they, you know, donate into a charity, for example. Um, but this is this is, goes well beyond the donation, doesn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's more of an investment, like we talked about earlier. You're investing in your own health and well-being in your own friendship groups as well as investing in your own community all through just playing playing football I mean so I'm hopeful as I say I, I, it, it sounds it, it makes saying it like this Craig I'll be honest with you for me at least it, it, it's saying to me, it's, Keith it sounds really easy I know it's not going to be easy <laughs> at all it's, it's going to be some hard work it sounds so easy now I've just described it like that oh, okay, it's going to be amazing but I know it's going to be challenging and there's going to be difficulties like, like, like most projects um, but but I hope sincerely that we can make it work. And I think if we go at it like I'm going to conclude on like a real kind of a community led project. You know, we really want to do this with the community. Can you help us? Can you help maybe spread the word and let your, your work friends, your family, your, your mates, let them all know this now exists, you know, and, and it's all about coming together for the benefit of, you know, our community, if you like, um, in each community that we get a league up and running. So um, fingers crossed it'll work well. As I say, we, we've got a few launch um, league venues at the moment. Um, but going into the new year, as I say, we really want to get as many leagues up and running as we can. And if any of your listeners um, can, can possibly show a bit of appetite towards that or even maybe help us in some way, raise awareness, I'd love to obviously engage with anyone. So um, by all means, feel free to contact me directly. Brilliant. Um, I've sort of been on the website and I, I wanted to talk, I, I think it's it half term next week. I'm never sure when kids have holidays, they sort of have them <laughs> in the door and then have them. The Street Soccer Stars holiday camps. Now, I thought that was an absolutely amazing idea. You get your, uh, your belly oh, full and you get a chance to play football. Like, what more What more can you want? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, really kind of you. Yeah, I mean, th- that that has been something that we've really, at, at the moment, um, it is... Um, a uh, provision that's just in Kent as a county, but um, for, for for concept at least, um, context sorry at least, uh, Kent as a county is, is I think one of the largest counties in the whole country. So it's, it's just a massive area, and um, but we're 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 a kind of lead, I guess, provider of of these camps um, across Kent, and it just it was really important to us because again, um, you, you know, you might recall, you know, obviously during the pandemic, and and it was um, Marcus Rashford kind of banging the drum around yeah. food poverty and you know laboring with the government and lobbying with the government sorry and um but the, the upshot of that is that we we went in for that and tended for it to, to get a bit of government support in in setting these camps up and um just the just the reaction to it craig's been unbelievable the, 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 again the appetite and demand and the need is really apparent and acute so um it's, it's a really important provision for us and and one in which actually um and, and, and it's a frustration, I'll be honest with you, um, from from my point of view, but there, there's government funding for three periods out of five 
across the across the kind of school year. Um, they don't fund every kind of half term break. So in fact, we're going into Halloween, like you know, like, like the, the October sort of Halloween break now. Um, and the government won't fund that period. Um, they fund Christmas, they fund Easter and summer. So they won't fund February um, half term. They don't fund October at the moment. So that may change. Um, but we, as a charity, you know, we, we want to be ever present in that regard. So we will run camps in each of those five holiday breaks. Um, but also what we're looking to do is build out relationships with the schools that where, where typically it's at school venues where we run these, these camps. We're looking to build out these relationships with schools whereby we can actually be year round because again, you know, the need doesn't just disappear yeah. once the holidays finished, you know? So, and we're, we're so, and I, you know, I know that I've just said that. I mean, of course, most people, obviously most people, if not all people will be aware of that, but we are aware of that and we want to do something about it. So of course we'll have a holiday camp for the children They'll come on to our camps. And we'll always make it free of charge. Um, it has been said, and I don't mind saying this, it has been said it's almost like glorified childcare. But, and I say that with a smile on my face. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad, thankfully. I'm, I'm very lucky to be a dad. And uh, when I get that, and I understand that. But frankly, it's still really important and it's really helpful, not only for the children, but also for those families. So there's a real layering effect in that provision. And, and, and we're caring for that whole family unit, you know, whether it's a single parent household or, or you know, a mum and a dad and, and, and a child or children. Um, and, and some there's a lot of families out there that, um, you know, are so-called just about managing and they need to work and they just cannot afford to take the time off, you know, if one or the both of them to look after their children or they can't afford childcare. So, you know, this is a really important provision for a lot of families and children and it really matters to us. And it's certainly something that we want to take across the country in due course as well. Um, and so that's another thing that, if you don't mind me sharing Absolutely very briefly, not. Craig, that um, with our academy provision, for example. So again, I'll mention Liverpool. So with our Liverpool Street Soccer Academy, if, for example, um, a company came in and sponsored that, well, as part of that sponsorship, we actually now want to, going into the new year, we want to look at the, the at least the viability of, can we include for that company to, to run um, a holiday camp for their staff? So, you know, depending on the size and nature of that company, if, if they're a, a sort of biggish or bigger type, like a, a sort of, if it's an SME, but like a medium sized or a corporate, if they've got a staff measure where they can take an offer to their staff internally and say, oh, next summer, um, you know, we're, we're, we're working with a, a charity called the Street Soccer Foundation. We've got a summer camp in Liverpool, X venue, where we can have like, I don't know, what, 20, 30, 50 children free of charge. And that's, that's the company investing in that academy sponsorship. As part of that sponsorship, we as a charity give back to that company in addition to what we would do normally, but also say, oh, and actually, we'll put, we'll put on a summer camp for your staff, for their children, up to X number of children, free of charge. And I just, and I love that idea. It wasn't my idea, annoyingly. It was one of my, <laughs> one of my team's idea. Um, so I didn't get that one. But um, shout, a big shout out to Andy and Kay because it was theirs. But, um, but, um, but yeah, the, I, I love the idea. And I really want to see us at least explore that with, with conversations with intended sponsors. And if, they, if they've got the appetite and staff levels in place, then it's certainly something that I'd love to pull through on. Um, and have that as an additional benefit because I just think you imagine that getting an email from you know your leadership in your company and saying oh this summer you know your your employer as it were our company we're we're engaging with a with a charity to run a free soccer camp um, all summer I just think that that's a potential again like I've said a real lifeline opportunity for a lot of staff and families out there across the country so um, yeah the stars provision is really really important um, and it's been it's been so rewarding as well because the children generally speaking they're just amazing they're, I mean some of them of course naturally they're having a bit of a tough time and they might be maybe on the cusp of, of, of 
gang culture and crime and criminal activity and maybe on the risk of exclusion and things. And, and often it's behavioural issues that um, tend to be their sort of social circle, their social circle of influence around them. And and, and that's why we we've kind of, you know, we work with you know stakeholders like the police as well. And we're trying to kind of intervene at a certain level and time where we can make a difference and educate them around. And it might sound a bit full on, but um, and we don't position it like this, of course, but for, for literally as, as young as five, six plus, but around kind of emotional intelligence and resilience, you know, again, like I reiterate, we don't position it like that because we sit in front of a five-year-old and say, do you know what emotional intelligence is? They may, they may not know what that is. Um, but we, we position it in such a way through, through fun and educational learning through fun. Um, again, and obviously football at the centre of that, you know, we're, we're empowering these children to have a voice and, and a real self-belief about what's going on around them. But then naturally that will draw in their parental situation. You know, they're, they're, they're either their single parent or their, or their family, um, sometimes their grandparents, and, and therefore the conversations continue. And it isn't just a short-term provision. That's why I mentioned it. It, it tends to then be a year-round thing because these are families and lives. And it's not like you can have a conversation like that for five, six, ten weeks and then kind of good luck for the future, you know, particularly when you're looking to build a relationship. And that's the same for our academy as well. Even though they're 10-week programs, it doesn't mean that after 10 weeks, because you, because week 11 doesn't exist, as it were, doesn't mean we suddenly just cut a cord and say, kind of, you know, good luck with the future, you know, young people, because you've then got a risk of almost like a kind of cliff edge. You build them up yeah. to the peak of a cliff, and they just completely spiral back or even fall off it, as it were. So we're really, really acutely aware of that sustainable change. And we want to kind of educate them around these life lessons and learnings where what I'll say is like they, they execute on their learning. So don't just learn for knowledge, but they execute on their learning. So they actually do something about it. So if they learn about resilience and what that means, and we've given them tools and manner of how to improve on that and, and, and deal with certain challenges that come their way, put it into practice. Don't just learn about it for knowledge and then forget about it and then go back to their old ways because there's a real kind of onus on, you know, to change. You know, things need to change. You need to break old habits, you know, and, and it's, there's a phrase out there that, you know, nothing will change if nothing changes. So you, you, you've definitely got to address what you do and why you do it. And it's kind of a real question mark over how you approach each day, that kind of, Cognitive behavioural therapy is one aspect of what we do that we start everything with kind of what goes up in the mind, you know, what do you think yeah. and feel, how that affects your actions and behaviours that lead to outcomes. And it's like a bit of a circle. So if you can break your habits in terms of how and what you're thinking, if you can think differently, that's the, that's the key. You know, it's, it's how people think it's, it, rather than what they're thinking. That's a real trigger point. And if you can address that in, in a positive way and have more of a positive mindset, that's what really can be quite interesting. And I guess from a, I guess from a former footballer's point of view or just a former person's view, as in where I was back in the day, you know, not even as a footballer, because that's a badging, as a person, you know, me 15, 20 years ago, I'm, I'm a very different person now, certainly, because I've, I've, I've trained myself, I've coached myself and spoken to other people and learned a different way of thinking. And it's, a, it's, it's really hard, by the way, of course, because life will always throw you challenges and no one's perfect. Um, and even, and, and I, if you don't mind me saying so, even like, look at the weekend with Klopp. So Jürgen <laughs> Klopp, amazing man, unbelievable man, you know, and, and he's, he's massive into mindset. And, you know, but you saw him there and obviously he's sending off. And, and you know, you saw his post-match, no doubt, and a lot of your listeners, no doubt, would have done as well, that he's there and, you know, his hand on the sleeve, you know, absolutely taking accountability for his actions. He made a mistake, he's apologised for it. 
but his, his wordings were he got caught up in the emotion and that's 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 exactly what it's about you know you, you're typically react emotionally to situations so if you can have a way of controlling your emotions that that's the real sweet spot in terms of what happens next so i if he could, if he had been able which it was really difficult for him by the way i know that because <laughs> i watched the game so it's really difficult for him because it was one after the other but if he had and he's he's admitted this as well but he and he's agreed with it so if he had managed to control his emotions and it was, it was so hard and difficult but if he had done that he wouldn't have been sent off and he wouldn't have done what he did that action wise. Um, but it was so tough and he is only human and he made a mistake like humans can and will do and he's held his hand up and he knows it, you know, he knows what he did wrong. And that, that's the great thing about him. He knows what he did wrong and he's apologized and he's aware. So if he, if he'd done that and he didn't apologize, he didn't even see what the issue was and he, and he contested his sending off, then he maybe he might be in a different place as it were. But, He's in such a place, Jurgen Klopp. He's an incredible influence and inspiring guy that you know we will pay reference to in our academy program as well. You know, and there's a number of other individuals that we pay reference to in the way they conduct themselves. And these are inspiring figures. You know, and a lot of footballers and former footballers and players and managers and sports people in general. These can be so influential to a younger generation. And I think that's why concluding comment is if people can be aware of their thoughts and feelings and have a means to kind of question why they are doing what they are doing on a regular basis I think that can only be a good thing Definitely, I mean it's one of the hardest things that we can do as a human is accept that we're human and challenge our own thoughts yeah. and processes so it's it's a lifelong process isn't it? and nobody's ever going to be perfect at it On um, on a side note I think I don't think the uh, judo flip from uh, Bernardo helped <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair yeah. As I said, it was very, very, very difficult. I mean, I, listen, I'm not, no way, gonna, if, if there was any kind of reading between the lines, I want to quash that right now. There is no way, <laughs> I don't think, I would have not acted like he maybe have reacted. And it, it would have been an unbelievable hit. I think, to be honest with you, Craig, it, people would have questioned him, like, they, like they've done with Harland, haven't they? There's a whole petition going about Harland, isn't there? Is, is, is he human? Yeah. Um, but like, but, you know, it's, it's that kind of, is Jürgen an AI robot kind of thing? And, and let's not get into the AI world. Chat, so I'm, I'm reading up on that. So that's, I'm, uh, that's for I'm another podcast. Bit, but but, it's, but yeah, exactly. But, but it's, it's funny, isn't it? But like, you know, but yeah, joking aside, I mean, realistically, I think 99.9 recurring percent of people would have, would been very similar to Jurgen, bless him. And um, it, it, I mean, and this is it. But you know what? Sometimes as well, if he hadn't, this is this is this is the way of the world, isn't it? Sometimes, if he hadn't reacted, what would the Liverpool fan base have thought about that? What would the general footballing yeah. world have thought about that? Because again, he is only human, so you would actually think that's really curious as to why that's not triggered. So you know, because and the bottom line is, football is you know, it's about passion, it's about emotion, and you don't want to lose that. Um, so and and that's again what we harness with the foundation you know street soccer football is at the absolute heart of what we do and why you know how we do it um but we're so big on our why statement craig you know and that's how again i set it up um, on that basis that it was a two-pronged thing is one absolutely from inception let's be partnership led let's be feedback orientated let's be collaborative in our way of working why wouldn't we want to partner with say a liverpool foundation in liverpool and you know, pay them a bit of money because we, you know, we pay our partners, you know, because we're using their facilities. Yeah. You, we're working with their staff. So we're a budget line to the Liverpool Foundation. And and why not? I mean, it's great. And, and what a privilege that we are in that regard. So we've become almost like a grant provider to them 
but in return we get fantastic coaches fantastic facilities and a real knowledge of that local community to dual lead on a program that's really impactful what a wonderful partnership and in this and, and the second point to add is that i think in, in in this day and age now i think if if you can kind of harness what so many people feel passionate about and use that at the heart of a provision that's only going to be a good thing because that's what firstly attracts people that's what then encourages them to give it a chance and commit to a process of development um so i think i think generally speaking you know we, we've learned that putting a kind of why statement to what we do really matters and there's there's, there's um i don't know if you, you if you or any of your listeners come across simon sinek um he's, a, he's like a, a strategist and uh, an author um, but he's got something what he calls the three golden circles and and if you can picture three so if you draw sort of three circles like a small one another one around it another one around it the, the circle in the heart of that in the center that's the why so it goes from from sort of in to out it goes why how what so most people in life craig you know they'll they'll typically describe their what so if you come if you come into path um in, into someone's path you know for the first time they typically say what they do so, you know, oh, hi, I'm an accountant, for example. So that's the what. Um, you then go a step further and it's like, how? Well, how did you get into accountancy? How do you do what you do kind of thing? Um, and, that, and they might go into that as, as you're getting to know them yeah. through this relationship. But if you start with your why rather than your what or your how, and that's what we're about as a charity, you start with your why. You know, you know, we run a charity that uses football and, and we say why. What's our purpose? And we, and we become really purpose-driven Honestly, Craig, it makes such a difference, and it and it typically engages so much more effectively people that you you you, you know you first kind of communicate and interact with, and I think we we will never lose sight of that. Anyone that works with us, either internally as part of our team, um, or any kind of partners of ours, or even new intended partners, they'll quickly identify that we're so strong in our why statement, and 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 hopefully people will, will buy into that. And if they don't, then that's that's cool. And actually, it's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, you don't necessarily want to partner with every single person that comes to the fore, yeah. you know, because it might not be right. It might not be, not be, not, might not be workable sort of thing. But that's why typically the partnerships that we do have in place, again, reiterate Liverpool being one of them, is shared goals, is shared alignment in, in, in our mission and statement. Uh, yeah, our mission statement, sorry, and our purpose. You know, we care and want to partner because, and, and that why is because they want to impact their community. They want to be, you know, they want to create a project that benefits other people. And I think, you know, to bring the power of football into communities, what we do nationwide, you know, to inspire and encourage, you know, those that are vulnerable and disadvantaged and give a vehicle to help people turn their lives around for the better, all through, ultimately, the power of football is, is a real blessing, certainly for me as an individual anyway. I think what I've sort of picked up that you've um, sort of spoke about a lot and on which I completely agree with you is the transparency, transparency of it all. Like you've just mentioned then, you've sort of peeled back the layers of the onion, so to speak, and used a bit, a bit of a metaphor there. And you're straight at the heart yeah. of it. You're like, we are, and this is us, and this is our mission. And, you know, if you want to do anything about it, that's fine. If you don't, also fine. But this is where your money's yeah. going. This is like everything is sort of, I know it's a bit of a business speak term, but everything's an open book. You can come and you can see where your money's going and stuff. And I think that's... That's absolutely amazing that a company would say, you know, it, there's no smoke and mirrors, is there? It's not like, you know, 90% of it goes to our chairman and 3% trickles down. Yeah. It's like, look, this is where the money is. This is where the money's going. This is where you're helping. And I think a lot of companies could be. benefit from that. 
Yeah, I, I, that's really kind of you akin to air that as a, as a sort of kind of real succinct summary, by the way. Um, but like, but yeah, but I think it has to be. And and I mentioned I think earlier that I sort of try and sort of drive the foundation as a business rather than a charity, actually, because if I if I kind of wait, my my, my mind at least is if I treat the charity as a business rather than a charity, I think there's a there's a a bit of a, a, a sort of workable school of thought around the charitable sector that we are a charity therefore please fund us you know we're, we're trying to help other people we only exist to help others and that's great right and i'm no way being flippant on that at all and there's lots of cha- i mean there's, there's over two hundred thousand charities in this country unbelievable um and a lot of them do great work but for, from from my point of view at least i think well we, we need to be a bit more different we need to we need to kind of really be wholly responsible for you know what and how we're doing but why are we doing it and that's what i think charities you know do stick on you know why they're doing what they're doing but in terms of kind of running the organization i think generally speaking that there's some real lessons to be learned in the charity sector and like i mentioned i fell into this completely by chance and i i, I never like you know as they post my footballing ambition i never had the impetus to run a charity and never never came that crossed my mind as it were at all but but even though i'm sat here running a charity that is across the country we've got for what it's worth that you know what's seen now and and, and certainly described as the number one football led project tackling youth homelessness in the country which i'm exceptionally proud about but i know that we've achieved that because of the partnerships that we have in place and the bottom line is how do we get those partnerships in place in the first instance well it's because we've gone into those communities and we've sat down with with you know leaders in that community and told them in black and white terms this is how we work being wholly transparent opened up exactly what the program is all about how it works the cost for us to us to deliver the program but then we go that step further craig and we say so here's the cost to us to deliver the academy program over 10 weeks and this is actually how we're going to bring the money in so it's not it's not again like you say your, your terminology there's smoke and mirrors it's not like it's all kept secret. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, please partner with us because you're a Liverpool football club and you're your foundation. You know, and, we, and we've got a great program here, and it'll be great. For you. It's just like, right, look, you know, do you obviously you care about your community? Yes. Have you got a program that currently at the moment specifically targets those that are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless? If that's a no, then we are arguably the best option in the country for you to at least have a look at. If yes, great. And how can we maybe support each other on that? But but ultimately, a lot of a lot of the programs across the country, um, a lot of like the foundations and community trusts, often it's it's where those that are homeless might be um, a target measure, but it, it's more general term. So I guess that's where if we come in as a as a kind of positional um, program, it, it's often where we've made such an impact and work with so many other clubs. It's almost like, well, why wouldn't we partner? Do you see what I mean? So yeah. why wouldn't we partner with Street Soccer Foundation? And then when they realise actually it costs them no money to do so in terms of partnering with us, and then actually in terms of where that money's come from, and like I've openly shared with you, often it's the private sector. So again, it can be the public sector. Of course, we're a charity, so of course we'll like, we'll, we'll ask, you know, we'll we'll put in bids for grants and this, that, and the other. We might get some contract revenue come in from the government and local government services, um, and I've mentioned the police as well and councils. So that, of course, that that that's general kind of what most charities are about. But for us, at least, and maybe it is my background because of my background, but I think we do genuinely offer such a, a, a lovely opportunity for the private sector to engage with us, to give that return. So it's not that donation piece, it's that investment piece. And then, you know, the money is in place up front 
for those club partnerships to provide that service. And the more the, and the more partnerships we can get in place, the more communities that we can unite, the more brands that we can bring on board. Ultimately, the more people we can help. But it's that whole community aspect of doing it, rather than all very very protective and private. And street soccer exists, and no one knows how the hell we do it, and no one knows what we're doing, and and where do they get their monies from? What's this program look like? Or, you know, we're just not that. I mean, final comment on that: the, the the program itself, which has become the flagship, you know, nationally acclaimed program or whatever. We, straight off the bat, you know, we give through our platform a delivery portal. We call it so to our clubs. We say, here you go. Here's a private login to our website here's the whole academy from start to finish of how you run it. So it's not like we're not, we're not protective in that regard. We're not keeping it co- like closed and saying, well, partner, that's, that's great. And then we'll give you it week by week or we'll, we'll, you know, we'll come up and we'll be part of that training session. We give them complete insight. We'll, have, we'll, we'll go up there. We'll do train the trainer sessions. We'll, we'll do, you know, we'll do visits every so often during, during each academy between our team. And it's, it's that, and we even have insight sessions, Craig, where we bring our partners together through teams because they're obviously scattered all over the country but we'll bring on Liverpool, Tottenham you know Leicester City, Wolves, Southampton whoever it might be but we'll bring them into like a teams call and we're all there on that call representative of those clubs but to share best practice if you like share challenges share what's gone well what's not gone so well things that came up and how they overcame them so we're, we're, we're I guess we're at the centrepiece of uniting all these different clubs and communities again through the power of football so rather than keeping it all very individual and separate and, and we get like, oh, streets, yeah, we've got Liverpool, we've got XYZ club on board. To be honest, it's, not, it's, not, it's genuinely not about that. It's about these clubs exist and if, if it wasn't for the community, they wouldn't because if you didn't have any fans in the ground watching the game, we saw it, pandemic, didn't we? Like, yeah. Look at the, the damning effect it had when, when players were playing to empty stadiums. All the players and clubs are moaning about it and quite rightly so. Without the community and the fan base, the clubs are nothing. So we, we, we know that every club should be, whether they are or not, every club should be community-led and community-driven. And, and I get it that the big clubs like your Liverpools and co, of course, they're global brands and they have a presence globally and they've got fan base globally. And that's why you will have it like Liverpool Foundation. They are now, they're going outside of England and into other countries and offering support to communities where they've got a real presence, you know, in terms of a fan base. So it matters. And I think because it's the global number one sport, that's where they're taking that real responsibility um, seriously, you know, and for us at least in England for now, you know, because we're quite ambitious, um, but, you know, we're, we're at the centrepiece of working with all these amazing clubs on the community side and we get to see the, the fantastic change of, of, you know, I guess these, these young people, their change and their transition and their development and their journey. Um, and it's just the most remarkable role. I mean, I, I'm very, very fortunate and I guess to a good degree you create your own fortune as it were, but, um, like you say, like you said at the very beginning, I, I personally invested in it because I believed in it um, for the first couple of years, actually. And, you know, and, and I think sometimes you do have to put your money where your mouth is because when you go and sit in front of your big brands like your Spurs, West Ham, Chelsea's or whoever, you know, it's one of the first questions they might ask you. Well, you know, well, why are you kind of thing? Because you certainly don't want to be there for one program of 10 weeks and then disappear. So it's, it's, it's really, really important that we're sustainable and, I think, you know, with, with support of you, for the likes of you, Craig, give me the opportunity to speak on your podcast and your listeners and those that we engage across the country. It's because of you and everyone else that have engaged with street soccer, genuinely, is why this, this is working so well, because it's a, it's a real collaborative effect. 
everyone that becomes aware of street soccer and plays a role, whether they donate some money, invest some money, sponsor, come and talk, come and lead a session, partner with us, coach someone, mentor someone, volunteer, run an event, whatever it could be, every single time it's doing so to help someone else. And I think that's, that's the beauty of what we've created. So no, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I just want to say thank you very much. I know you're a very busy man, so I want to say thank you very much for uh, coming on today. I hope you've uh, managed to get everything across that you can. And uh, just really want to thank you for what you're doing, part of the community and um, globally, hopefully, with the sounds of it. But um, what I sort of just picked up on, and I'll sort of try to leave on this one because I've uh, I've took an hour of your time, an hour and a quarter. Um, it could have been very easy to sort of stick to the prestige of the West Ham badge and you know, we're a partnership with West Ham and we don't want to share that. But what you've done is you've gone from West Ham to Liverpool and then sort of from from that, it's sort of gone down. I don't, I don't mean it in a disrespectful way because obviously the AFL is in terms of football anyway. It's, it's, it's a very, very strong league, but the EFL have sort of involved their self in it. So you are showing that you are growing nationally as well as locally, which I quite like, you know. And then again, that can transpire globally to... The likes of where Spain, France, because because it's it's a very strong business model, and I know you've sort of mentioned the fact that it is run as a charity, sort of with business ethics and ethos. So I think what you've built here is um, it's a, it's a great platform, and for me, I think you're planting amazing seeds for for a, a very bright future. I'm really, really grateful again on that, and I, and I sincerely mean it, Craig. And and I think that just briefly on that, I think I think because you're right. I mean, you know, it's almost like, well, why would you do that? You know, you get these big global brands as partners on the community side, and you know, like the like the you know the Chelsea, the Liverpool's, the West Ham's. Why, with, with all due respect, then look to entertain maybe a League Two side? But I think that that hopefully gives you and all your listeners the genuine comfort and and if you like transparency and, and honesty that this is for us a national footprint piece is is re- reflecting and being respectful of the fact that football as a game unites communities nationwide and whether you're Darlington Stevenage Boreham Wood you know Staley Bridge wherever you might be if you've got a club in the heart of your community and there's an opportunity that Street Soccer Foundation may well be able to explore with that club in terms of running it and setting up a league and or an academy program, why would we not want to at least explore that? And let's do that. And if and if we can if we can gradually build that out, and I think it will be gradual uh, because of, of course there's some real implications in, in meeting that demand um, and making sure we deliver on those partnerships. Um, but if we can achieve on that, and the more partnerships we get in place across the country, it's only going to be for the better of the communities nationwide. Completely and utterly agree with you there. Thank you very much, Keith, and I shall speak to you shortly. Thank you very much for your time. No, it's been a great, great pleasure and a privilege. Thank you, Craig, and, and all power to you with this podcast, mate. And um, thank you to your listeners as well and, and, and anyone that kind of engages on the back of this with Street Soccer. It's, 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 it's really, really appreciated. But thank you very much indeed, mate. Have a lovely rest of the week. Same to you, Keith. Thank you very much. Right. That was Keith Mabbott there, CEO and founder of the Street Soccer Foundation. Please, please, please go online, go on Google, put that into Google, go onto the website. Um, if you feel that there's you know, you, there's a, a gap in, in your local community where that could be helpful, please just feel free to uh, delve into that one there. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this podcast.
Thanks for Keith for allowing me to interview him on this podcast. And thank you very much to anyone that's listened. Enjoy the rest of the day, evening, afternoon, whenever you've found the podcast. Thank you very much. And yeah, bye.